The following program discusses medical information that is general in nature and not intended to serve as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Please consult your own physician for any medical issues you may be experiencing. Welcome to another episode of Nice Living with Dr. Cameron, a show dedicated to health, wellness, and medical-related topics that are on the minds of many folks across the country and even the world. I'm Amy Bowen, and with me as always is the double board certified general surgeon and philobologist for whom the show is named, the ever insightful and very brilliant Dr. Cameron Gadarzi. It's great to be with you again for another show, sir. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Also joining us today, we have a celebrity guest. He literally has millions of followers on TikTok, hundreds of thousands on Instagram, dermatology resident physician, Dr. Maneeb Shah, also known as Dr. Lee. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Shah. Thank you so much for having me on. I am humbled to be here with Dr. Cameron. He is an amazing gentleman. I don't know if all of you know him uh, that well, but he has some of the most fascinating stories I have ever heard from anyone, period. That is definitely true. And if you don't know what Dr. Shaw is talking about, be sure and go back and listen to episode one of the Nice Living with Dr. Cameron podcast so you can learn a little bit more about Dr. Cameron's background. Now today we wanted to give folks a chance to get to know the man behind these viral TikTok videos that make medical information interesting and gives great insight on skincare, anti-aging and more. Uh, But Dr. Cameron, I think it'd be great if we gave our listeners a little bit of insight on how you came to know Dr. Shaw uh, through one of our previous guests, one of your good friends, a fellow physician. Well, uh, as you know, Dr. Crane has uh, done an amazing job. He's got a residency program where he trains dermatologists, which uh, they were actually some of the best performers when it comes to the national exams. Through his residency, Dr. Shaw uh, has been, of course, one of the residents who's who's working with him right now. And um, he has an amazing background. Come to find out, he's also was doing radiology residency for a while. And of course, a lot of work I do involves ultrasound radiology. And as you know, you and I talked about it uh, numerous times, um, Amy, that uh, Dermatology and venous disease are linked together, whether it is a cosmetic aspect of it, all the way from a spider vein to getting leg ulcers or the uh, skin healing on the leg before you consider taking any skin lesions or skin cancers out, all the way to leg ulcers. And of course, dermatitis, which means inflammation of the skin related to veins. So Dr. Shaw, being as brilliant as he is, and I really mean that, he uh, was very interested to know every aspect of dermatology, and he said he really likes to spend a month, you know, uh, with me and learn all about venous disease, which uh, I love to teach, and I was really actually very excited that he was going to come and join us, and of course, once he joins me, I've come to find out he's got uh, 3 million followers uh, on, on, uh, you know, TikTok and so on, which to me, the fascinating thing is um, to make medicine exciting, to make preventive medicine exciting to the point that even very young people follow. Uh, it is not just, you know, the celebrity status is to be able to get people excited about taking care of themselves, taking care of their skin, uh, making a topic which could be very boring, very exciting. That really is an ability that most people don't have. It reminds me of Sarah Brightman, who actually made opera very exciting to that every Tom, Dick, and Harry was listening to it. So uh, I think it is really to be able to get topics and make them exciting is extremely important. He has definitely that ability. 
So we actually volunteered to uh, come and do one of our podcasts because they, a lot of people I'm sure are very interested. They like to know more about him. And of course, he's got tremendous knowledge about the skincare and things like that. So I thought, you know, we just uh, get as much information from him as we can. So that was our association. Absolutely, Dr. Cameron. Well, again, Dr. Shaw, thank you again for joining us. And as Dr. Cameron noted, you are quite the popular gentleman on social media these days, internationally. So first question, have you always been this popular? Yeah, definitely not. You know, I uh, am a, was a major nerd growing up, you know, definitely chess club, math club. My first uh, screen name on AOL was Math Knight, uh, as in K-N-I-G-H-T, as in like I was a math warrior. Uh, so I was definitely not a cool kid by any means. Um, I was definitely very socially observant growing up, kind of quiet, t- took in what was around me and tried to see how sort of humans interact. I actually majored in psychology in undergrad. Um, so I'm very interested in human behavior and, and kind of how people receive information. I was primarily a tutor, an educator, a mentor through medical school. And so this is sort of my way of just reaching a larger audience in that same manner and basically picking up on social cues that happen on a large scale and trying to implement them uh, to that large audience in order to educate them. That's great. Now, you know, you are in the midst of your residency, but you've got a pretty interesting backstory. So so talk to us about what inspired you to go into medicine and what led you up to that point as well. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, uh, I heard a lot about Dr. Cameron's story to get to the point where, where he is today and really is a fascinating story um, of everything he basically overcame to come here to the United States to practice vascular surgery and do everything that he's done. But for me, it was a little bit uh, less direct in, the, in that way, where I actually had no interest in medicine. And I don't think, uh, Dr. Cameron, I don't think you had interest in medicine um, initially either, right? Yeah, I really wanted to be a civil engineer, you know, maths and same, same kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, uh, so for me, I, was, I thought I would go into business. Uh, I thought I knew better than my parents, mostly, who decided that I should go to school. And it wasn't really for me, and I ended up, actually just working uh, retail for a long time, different stores, uh, got a lot of experience, uh, especially in men's suiting for a while. And then when I turned 21, I decided that I would go back to college and try to see what I would do. Took my first biology class and I was actually fascinated by the science. And I said, well, maybe I'll go to med school, which seems a little bit ridiculous. I was in a community college at the time and I was not necessarily a good student. I had uh, good scores on my SATs. I, I was always sort of a good test taker, but I was definitely not the type of person that thought I would go to school for 12 years in order to become a dermatologist. So I said, well, maybe I'll go to med school, but I didn't have any doctors in my family. So I didn't really know what that meant, but I started going down that path. I talked to advisors, what classes do I have to take to go to medical school? And I took them and then they were like, well, you got you to take your MCAT now, which is the exam you have to take to get into medical school. And you know, I studied for it. I took it, and then and then I was going to medical school, and I really had no clue what I was about to get myself into. Had no interest in dermatology at the time. I just knew that I liked science, and that being a doctor seemed like a, a good idea. And then during medical school, I fell in love with like the art of medicine, the patient, that whole experience. So I actually started primarily at just loving biology, and it turned into this love of patient care. That's such a great story. You know, Dr. Shaw, you mentioned sort of falling in love with patient care in general. And Dr. Cameron, I know that aspect resonates with you as well. Yeah, I think uh, 
Sometimes, you know, of course, when he was done a degree on psychology, I haven't, but I have been very curious to see when people go into medicine, whether it's nursing or, or as a physician, uh, it seems as though there is some enjoyment you get, some satisfaction you get, which is immense by trying to take care of people. And a friend of mine who's a cardiologist, uh, he's actually getting quite old and he's got a very good position right now. I said, you know, why, why didn't you, have you thought about retiring? He said, what would I do if I retire? And I immediately understood that because when you love what you do, and uh, so patients, you know, and I talked about this before, if, if, you know, the patients always thank us for helping them, they don't realize how much enjoyment and satisfaction we get, how much fulfillment we get out of, you know, uh, helping them. So it's a reciprocity. When a nurse spends their entire time taking care of a patient, you know, all night exhausted, the satisfaction they get out of it is very unique. So uh, I have a feeling that money got the same passion that I got. Once you start taking care of patients and you get so much enjoyment out of it and you go home, you feel so good about yourself, about what you're doing, that is the drive which I think pushes you forward. Otherwise, as my wife said one day, she said, how can you go to a cold room with no windows and spend 12 hours and say, that was fun because that's what we do in surgery. And I kind of thought about it, that's crazy. But then I saw the feeling how I felt when I'm, when I'm in, that, in that room and the satisfaction you get out of it is just, it's just unbelievable. Anyway, I didn't mean to get sidetracked, but I... Uh, know exactly where where the passion is, and I think the only difference we had is uh, living in America. One, of course, when he was born and raised here, one of the beauty of being in America is you're allowed to find yourself. Doesn't matter if you're even eighty years old, you're allowed to take your direction. It's such an amazing, uh, successful country that you can make a living doesn't matter what direction you get in majority of countries especially places like iran or even india to 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 some extent and other countries you don't have that luxury you really have to make decisions you don't have time to find yourself you could starve while you're trying to find yourself so uh, in my case, you know, being in England, 14 years old by myself, uh, the only source of income I had was my father. And I know my father loved me. He was not a dictator. He said, you're going to study medicine. And that was it. I didn't have time to question that. There was no, it was not questioning God. And <laughs> there was no way I was going to be able to survive by myself. So, you know, Monib uh, got an opportunity to find what he was interested in. And while he was exploring the world around him, he managed to find uh, biology and then medicine and he he realized you know we both came to the same uh, area but from a different angle absolutely yeah i think um and once you find that passion whether it be in patient care or any field really it doesn't need to be medicine but once you find it it essentially becomes easy at least it did for me in the sense that somebody who was historically not someone who would sit down and study for 12 hours I was able then, uh, once I found like, this is something I love, I truly actually love in reading about it. People thought I was insane in medical school where I'd find a new sentence or a new paragraph or a new disease. And I would tell all my friends, like, did you hear about this? This is crazy how the biology, the physiology works with the anatomy and it all comes together to this pathologic process. And then this is how we treat it. I mean, this sort of intermingling, I loved it. And once you find that passion, I feel like in any field, it becomes easy and it doesn't become like work. And like Dr. Cameron was saying, I, you know, I've seen him work and you know, I've seen how he's been with his patients. 
you know, it's incredible. You know, he is there and the way that he treats his patients, the way that he treats his staff around him, you could tell that he truly has passion and love for what he does. Uh, and that is the main motivation. And I think once you find that, whatever that is, uh, to whoever's listening, I think that it becomes easy and you'll love what you do and not want to quit, you know. And that passion, you know, as someone who's obviously not a physician, this is coming from a patient standpoint, you know, that's something that can really be felt when you go to see a doctor, you feel heard, you feel cared for. And, you know, just that overall message of following your passions, because you're right, when you do what you love, it is evident, and you can truly make an impact in any field that you choose to pursue. Well, Dr. Shaw, jumping to where we are now, you know, as we mentioned, you are in the midst of your dermatology residency so I'm curious, what is it that made you choose that specialty in particular? Yeah, I wish I had a great answer for that, um, but I don't because initially I, in medical school, thought I would do radiology and that was coming from the sort of love of science, the love of anatomy, the love of physiology and disease processes, uh, where in radiology we look at images, uh, we sort of review the chart if we have time, and then we come up, uh, render a diagnosis that then is implemented by the team in order to treat the patient in need. And so during medical school, I thought I would go this radiology route and I applied to radiology residency. I matched in radiology residency. I trained in radiology residency. But what happened was that during my intern year was the first time I was responsible for patients. So right after you graduate from medical school, you do an intern year if you're going into radiology or dermatology, and that's usually in general medicine or general surgery. And then immediately after that, you go into your subspecialty, whether it be radiology or dermatology. So during my intern year was the first time I was responsible for patients. They would get admitted to the hospital. You know, they would be admitted to my team. I would, you know, take care of them. And what decisions I made, what conversations I had with the families, what conversations I had with the patients, with the, the nurses, with the other staff would ultimately determine this patient's care whether they went home, whether they went somewhere else, in all these factors, I was very responsible for it. And I had some of the longest days of my life uh, as an intern. Uh, we you know we work about 80 hour weeks as uh, interns in the United States uh, during residency. Even though those were some of the longest days of my life, I actually found like I had a purpose finally, um, that I was actually taking care of people and you know, in some ways, like Dr. Cameron was saying, it's almost selfish in the sense that we do get this uh, reciprocal gratification from it. A lot of people see it as doctor taking care of patient, patient benefits. Um, but it's actually truly, we both benefit from this relationship because I feel good about what I do when I go home and I feel like I have a purpose. And so that's actually very meaningful to me. And during that time, during that, that one year, I realized that radiology was probably not going to be a good fit for me, but I was already committed to the next year. The way that the system works is you're committed for the next five years once you match. And so I had already been committed uh, to this radiology position, but I already started having doubts because I finally realized what it meant to have purpose in what you do. And so during my initial time doing radiology, I realized like within a few weeks that I wanted to be back in that setting where I was actually taking care of patients on a one-to-one -one basis. And so I had to leave that. And what was I going to leave it for? I found during my intern year that I, I love dermatology. I liked rheumatology, which is another subspecialty of medicine that deals with the immune system. But the immune system also has skin manifestations, and I enjoyed that part of rheumatology the most. Things like psoriasis, things like 
lupus that can affect the skin. So I figured that I would use what I love the most about medicine, which was doing procedures with my hands, being very visual, uh, making a diagnosis, being in clinic, taking care of patients on a direct one-to-one basis, making complex diagnoses, uh, which we do in dermatology. And I kind of took all those factors together and I was in the middle of my radiology residency and I left and applied for dermatology. And Dr. Crane, uh, who is the residency program here in Wilmington, uh, director of that, he kind of gave me the opportunity to, um, which a lot of people wouldn't give someone an opportunity who's already been in another residency. It's it's kind of a complicated process, the residency matching system. But once you've started a residency, it's very difficult to leave that residency. But he kind of saw in me that I that I really wanted to do this and that I had a passion for it. And he took a chance on me and I'm very grateful for that. And honestly, it's been the best choice of my life. I've loved every minute of being here and training in dermatology and learning everything about the skin and taking care of patients again. Well, hearing more about your journey again, just truly inspiring. And since you do have such a broad following, there may be some individuals listening today who might be wondering if they have what it takes to pursue a medical degree. So, you know, based on your perspective and your experience, do you have any words of advice to share with them? Yeah, I think uh, for me, it's somebody who started out not academically good or didn't know how to study necessarily, didn't know how to work hard um, in the sense that pulling all-nighters or working you know, 14 hours a day studying, I didn't have that concept in my mind. I think first, if you have a passion, no matter what it is, no matter how many people tell you no, you can't accomplish that. I think that if you feel that you can do it and that you want to do it, go for it and don't let anyone tell you no. I can't even tell you how many people told me that I would never get into medical school. And these were close friends. These were people that uh, supposedly cared for me that said, you have no chance. Uh, you'll never, you'll never go there. My parents were very supportive, but you know, friends and, and other people around me at the time uh, told me, including the Dean of, of my undergrad uh, told me that I would never get into medical school. So uh, this idea that you can't do something, I think that if you're stuck on it, go for it. That's my first advice. Of course, have a plan of how you'll get there. I was very dogmatic about it. And I knew how I would get there. Um, And despite the fact that other people couldn't see it, I I did have like a plan. It wasn't just a a pipe dream, I guess. And uh, the second thing I would say is that when I started medical school, I started right in the middle of sort of the batch. And for some people, that's good. And for me, I, I wanted to be better. And for me, it was coming from the fact that, you know, you can pass medical school with the 70%, but there's 30% of knowledge that you somehow don't know at that point. And is that acceptable, right? In the sense that um, you're taking care of patients. And I truly wanted to know everything that I could. And so every day I basically adapted. How do I get better at studying? How do I get better at using my time more efficiently? And so I challenged myself every step of the way in order to push myself to be better. So if I got a 70, I wanted a 75. If I wanted a 75, then I got an 80 on the next one. So I kept pushing myself from when I started a 50th percentile first test, I'll never forget anatomy first test, and then ended medical school, basically scoring either 100th percentile on everything that I took, um, and then you know 99th percentile on my boards. Um, and I can't say that it's because I'm the smartest person. I, I think I just continuously pushed myself to be better than I was before, because I definitely didn't start you know, as, as the number one. It didn't come easy to me. And so I was just constantly challenging myself and seeing myself be able to accomplish that. I feel like I want people to realize that anywhere you are in life, you're not stagnant there. You can push yourself to be better if you challenge yourself. You don't have to compete with people around you. Just compete with the person you were yesterday 
to be better. And, and that's what I've done and tried to continue to do throughout my career since then. Yeah, I think that's absolutely brilliant. I'm glad you brought that up because that was one point that uh, I think most people don't realize how brilliant uh, Dr. Shaw is. And I think in the dermatology in service exam, uh, you also got, I think, pretty high up there. What, what was it? Uh, sorry, you don't have to be shy. <laughs> no, I, I don't like to do that. Um, I, I only do, I told the story to be inspiring, but... Uh, <laughs> But, I, you know, I did score 100th percentile on the in-service exam, which for me, coming from no dermatology background, but, I, you know, I said the same thing to Dr. Crane, actually, when um, he invited me to interview. I said, hey, listen, when I'm a resident here, I'm going to start at zero because I have no dermatology knowledge. I've been training in radiology. A lot of these applicants have wanted to be a dermatologist their whole life. But I can promise you one thing. In my whole life, I've started somewhere and I'll push myself every day until I'm top. And so at that point, it was almost like I owed Dr. Crane to get to that point and myself, of course. Um, but, you know, I was, I was very, uh, I applied the same principles that I have my whole entire life. I think that once you develop those principles, you can apply it to almost any situation. You know, it's a mobile set of skills. And so I took some of the skills that I learned during medical school and I applied that to my dermatology residency. I didn't reinvent the wheel. And, you know, I went from zero knowledge to 100th percentile. And so I'm very fortunate for that. I guess I, I checked a couple of boxes right. I think I think another thing that you should have really gotten 100% is, is modesty. So, <laughs> you know, these are, you're competing against some of the very smart people in the world. So, um, shows you know about the background. I think the most important thing in life is find your passion and then drive yourself as hard as you can, and you can achieve anything you want to achieve. And you certainly you know have done that. And uh, so anyway, I think uh, that is for some people who complain about uh, you know opportunities and you know how the world didn't work out for them. Is this is should be a very inspiring story. In fact, anybody who wants to uh, go to medical school or law school or whatever, just remember if you really want it and you push yourself hard enough and you challenge yourself and only blame yourself and nothing around you for the lack of success, you can get to where you want to get to. So I think I think that's just the ultimate you know, true story um, of um, when you look at most people who have succeeded and done well, uh, you know, have somewhat of a story similar to that, but not quite as drastic as, uh, uh, you know, Moniba achieved here. So humble as you are, Dr. Shaw, you know, getting back to your social media celebrity status that you now hold. Again, TikTok, 3 million followers, hundreds of thousands on Instagram. Did you have any idea how successful your videos would be? <laughs> No idea. None at all. You know, uh, social media is interesting uh, in what takes off. You know, it's sort of now being on the other side of it, realizing what it takes to sort of get to that point. It's all sort of random in a lot of ways. But again, you know, I think I applied some of the same principles that I, you know, I've applied my entire life basically during the pandemic. You know, prior to that, I really had no social media presence. Uh, in a significant way. And then during the pandemic, we finally had time because my whole life up until this point, you know, been so busy with school and testing, where finally in clinics slowed down to about, you know, half of what we were normally seeing. Um, we had just more time, I had just taken my exam, and you know, I was in a good place, started making videos, um, not with any intention of, you know, making videos that went viral or, or becoming what it has today, it basically morphed into what it is on its own. I posted a video about skincare and there was a big reception to it. 
things that I didn't know prior to getting into skincare. So for me, you know, as a male getting into skincare in my 30s, you know, there's no template on how you walk into the Sephora or Ulta or even just, you know, CVS to pick out a skincare routine. Like, you know, there's there's no template, right? And so trying to figure that out without any guidance was frustrating to me and I felt overwhelmed, right? So I would walk into Sephora and there's a very small section where they sell men's cologne. And so I would always find myself uh, with my wife in Sephora and I, and I didn't be interested in healthy skin, but I didn't know where to start or who to ask. And so I just gravitate towards the cologne and spray a couple of colognes on me and then end up buying some cologne and walking out thinking to myself, I want to have healthy skin, but I just don't know where to start. Where's the template? And then, you know, for me getting into dermatology, I realized I learned a lot about skincare and dermatology. How can I teach people what I learned the hard way, the easiest way possible? You know, things that are so simple that somebody who's been doing skincare for a long time think is simple, right? It's kind of like if you are a good baseball player and you've played baseball your whole life, it's hard to tell someone how to swing a bat sometimes because it's just so natural to you. And it's the same thing for some things that are just natural to people. And for me, it wasn't natural. So when it's something that's hard for you to do, sometimes you become a better teacher at it. And so for me, I was like, I don't know anything about skincare. Let me present it to people in a way that I would have understood it if I was in their position. And so I you know, put some basic facts out there. Reception was good and people would ask questions. Okay, yeah, you, you sent something about acne. Now tell me about acne scars. So, you know, I'm, well, they have questions about acne scars. Let me put out some some easy information on acne scars. You know, big reception to that. Well, tell me about hyperpigmentation or dark spots. Well, there's a big reception to that. Let me post a video about it. And then each video sort of built on itself. And I just kept making more and more educational content. And the reception was international reception to it just because of the way the TikTok algorithm works. It pushes it out to this global community. And so the account grew really rapidly. And I realized that there's a huge need for this and that I need to continue doing this. And so it turned into a bigger thing on Instagram and then YouTube, where I started to create more and more content uh, to basically fill this void that was out there. Okay, so you have access to this international audience of millions of people. What are those top topics that people from around the world want to hear about? Anti-aging probably is one of the biggest things. I think there's a lot out there. You know, there's tons of options when it comes to skincare and skincare devices. I think people want to know what the truth is, what actually works. So that's a big thing I do is telling people what doesn't work. You know, that's half of the thing. Uh, And then telling people what actually does work uh, for anti-aging. Acne, always been a huge topic. Hyperpigmentation, dark spots, melasma, hair loss. There's, you know, kind of a myriad of things that a lot of people suffer with. And if you just think to yourself, what are you worried about? Sometimes you can make a video about it and it will oftentimes apply to a lot of other people as well. Well, we know you are a very busy person with your residency and everything else you have going on. So we certainly appreciate you taking the time to join us on the Nice Living with Dr. Cameron podcast. We're looking forward to having you on again the show very soon. But before we let you go today, could you leave our listeners with your top anti-aging skincare takeaways? I would say most of the stuff you think you need, you don't need. One, you don't need to spend a lot of money on products over the counter. The first thing and the most important thing you need is a sunscreen. Everything else you do becomes almost negligible if you're not wearing sunscreen. So I always focus on sunscreen. Now, which sunscreen you choose depends on a lot of things, and we can go into more details later on this. But sunscreen is number one. It has to be number one. Number two thing I would say is that your quote-unquote medical grade products or your products that are very expensive are not necessarily better. They oftentimes just have 
better marketing. And if you know what products and ingredients to look for, you can find a skincare routine that will be the best of the best and you won't have to spend a lot of coin on it. And the third thing I would say is that there are really only three or four ingredients that actually matter when it comes to anti-aging. And we can talk about those ingredients specifically, but you'll find entire stores, catalogs, websites dedicated to these products for anti-aging. But if you focus on just these four ingredients, that's all you really need. That's Dr. Manib Shah, better known as Dr. Lee on TikTok, where he has millions of followers. You can find him on Instagram and YouTube as well. Dr. Shah, I've been through residency programs. I know how hard you work and how little sleep you get. So I really appreciate your time. And I thank Dr. Crane to give you a few minutes to come out here and and spend some more time trying to not only learn yourself, but try to teach the public about uh, the art of dermatology and uh, things associated with it. Thank you so much for having me and spending your evening listening to me ramble. (laughs) Our pleasure. You've been great. Dr. Shaw, thank you so much again for joining us. And thank you for listening to the Nice Living with Dr. Cameron podcast. If you want to know what those four major ingredients that actually matter when it comes to anti-aging, make sure you tune in to our next episode when Dr. Shaw will join us again to share those tips that you don't want to miss and also shed some light on what works for acne, other common skin imperfections, and more. You can make sure you don't miss that episode by subscribing to the Nice Living with Dr. Cameron podcast on your favorite listening platform. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Audible, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many others. And be sure to visit scarlessveincare.com to listen to previous episodes and learn more about the show and our host, Dr. Cameron Gadarzi. Until next time, I'm Amy Bowen. And I'm Dr. Cameron. And we wish you good health, happiness, and nice living in the meantime. Mm-hmm.